Hey, welcome to Access. John here. If you don't have plans for March 30th, we want to invite you to spend time with us for our Passover Seder. No, we're not Jewish, but Jesus was, and we have the opportunity to recognize how awesome God is by seeing the symbolism in this Jewish practice. So join us on March 30th as we observe the Lord's Supper the way that Jesus did. Today we're going to finish our study on John chapter 9, so turn your Bibles to John chapter 9 verses 39 through 41 because this message is entitled, Bitter Irony. Do you get a good laugh when you run into irony? I, I think irony can be pretty comical most of the time. For example, um, in 1984, this is a true story, 300 postal workers didn't get their paychecks because it was lost in the mail. Um, another example would be uh, Char Charlie Brown's Christmas. I don't know if you ever watched that, but around Christmas time they play that, but every single year they seem to cut more and more and more out to make room for commercials. And this is ironic because the whole Charlie Brown Christmas story is about the commercialization of Christmas. Um, I, I was reading about how uh, the, the founder of AA asked for whiskey on his deathbed. That's pretty ironic. Um, here, here's a fun fact. I don't know if you know this, but the most shoplifted book in the United States is the Bible. Sometimes irony can just make us laugh. But sometimes irony is not really that funny at all. Sometimes it's pretty sad. So where we look for sweet irony, sometimes irony can be pretty bitter. And irony seems to be the crayon that God often colors with. I mean, it's it's all throughout Scripture. In fact, we've been studying John chapter 9, and I think that's a good title for John chapter 9. Ironic. Because in it, it talks about a man who was born blind, and he can see by the end of the of the passage of the chapter, John chapter nine, and and you see this example of the Pharisees who they can see at the beginning, but by the end they just reveal their spiritual blindness. And in, you know, even the book of John itself is kind of an ironic book in that it of all the other gospels, it is the most simple. I mean, it's the easiest to understand. It seems like it's written for uh, just the layperson. But at the same time, the book of John covers some of the most complex issues. And today we're going to be talking about the sovereignty of God. I mean, that's one of the things that's absolutely, in my, in my study, that's one of the most complex topics that I've run into. And John just, it's all throughout the book of John. And so... um, I want to just read John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41, because that's where we are today. We are concluding the story of the man who was born blind, whom Jesus healed. And in this passage, Jesus is going to be talking about the difference between blindness and sight. So let's study John chapter 9, verses 39 through 41. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who heard him say this and asked, What, are we blind too? And Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Now, in this passage, throughout the whole book of John chapter 9, you see this contrast between blindness and sight. And uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, about how in the book of John chapter 9, the man who was born blind, he starts out blind, even in who he sees Jesus as. But by the end of this passage, he has got a clear picture 
Um, for example, um, we see in uh, verse 9, he says, um, I'm sorry, in verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 11. Here he goes, verse 11. It says, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. That's what he says. So he, Jesus is a man. In verse 17, he says he's a prophet. Uh, later on, he talks to the, the Pharisees, and he says, you know, do you want to be his disciples too? In verse 27, so Jesus is a teacher. And in verse 38, you see that he says, Lord. So Jesus is Lord. So you begin to see how he, he, he just, he, his clarity just comes to him. Uh, this clarity about who Jesus is, and it gets clearer and clearer and clearer. Well, the Pharisees in this story have the adverse effect. They, they, are, they start out being able to see, supposedly, and they just reveal how blind they truly are by the end of the passage. For example, in verse 16, when they speak about Jesus, they say he's not from God. Then in verse 22, they say he's a heretic. In verse 24, they say he's a sinner. In verse 29, they say that they don't even know him. And, and, you know, jump back to verse 22. You might say, well, why why are they saying he's a heretic? Because I meant to touch on that. Um, What they actually say is that, uh, you know, they'll cast anyone out who acknowledges him as the Christ. So not only is he a heretic, you're a heretic if you believe in him. In verse 24, they say he's a sinner. And, uh, again, in verse 29, they say that, you know, we don't even know where this man comes from, so we don't even know him. And and in verse 34, you just see the, the... the, the climax of their of their blindness, and that they look at this man and they say, you are steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And so you see that they're blinded by their own self-righteousness. Now, I do think it's ironic that men who spent their lives looking for the Messiah, their, their lives looking for God, that they don't see him whenever he comes. And it, perhaps it's just because Jesus isn't the one that they, they thought that would come. Maybe, maybe it's because Jesus, they always thought that God would use them. Maybe, maybe they always thought that um, that they would have control over the Messiah or that he would work in conjunction with them, and all Jesus seemed to do was condemn them. You know, for, at least on their, on their terms. In, uh, in verse 39, Jesus says something that's hard to accept. He says, for judgment I have come into this world. Well, what do we do with verses like John 3, 17, where it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What about John 8, 15, where he says, You judge by human standards, and I pass judgment on no one. You know, I think this is, it seems like a contradiction. At least people could argue that. Uh, in, in John chapter 5, verse 27, though, Jesus begins to offer some clarity about these things. He says, The Father has given the Son authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. And you know, anybody that would argue that Jesus is contradicting himself here is making a, a pretty foolish, pretty childish uh, accusation because the reality is, is that you're, you're going to fall on one side or the other. If Jesus is the stumbling block, either he's going to make you stumble or he's going to be something that you can stand upon. And in this passage, he says, for judgment I have come into the world. You know, you really have to consider what it is that he's saying. I heard John Piper talk about uh, this passage. Uh, I love listening to John Piper's sermons. And one of the things he, he talked about in this, just in this passage is he said, Jesus doesn't come <clears throat> uh, to judge. That's not his primary 
purpose. Where he could, where he comes to judge, that's not his primary purpose. He says, think of it in a way as as a as a doctor who um, who's on the battlefield, right? He runs up on on a on a soldier that's been wounded and he's been out and out in the the, the battlefield for, a, for quite some time, and they call him for a medic, and so he runs over and he looks at his arm, and and he sees that his arm is gangrene. And he knows he has to remove this man's arm to save his life. And the soldier would look at him and say, Have you come to cut off my arm? And the doctor would look at him and say, No, I've come to save your life. Cutting off your arm is a part of that. But that's not my primary purpose. My primary purpose is to save your life. And so where Jesus would say, I come not to judge or condemn anyone, and here he says, for judgment I have come in this world. You begin to see this clear picture of who Jesus is and how if we acknowledge Jesus as, as the Messiah, if we acknowledge Jesus as Lord, then we have sight. But if we don't, well, then we're blind. And that's what he says. And, and in this, you, you kind of get some, some good news and some bad news. And I don't know if anybody's ever done this. I got good news and I've got bad news. You say, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is, is that you know, our last week we had the most attendance at church that we've ever had. So what's the bad news? The bad news is it was because you were on vacation, Pastor. <laughs> so there's good news and there's bad news in this passage. Um, in it, he says, I have come into this world so that the blind will see. Well, that's good news. We, we want to see, Jesus. We need your help to see. We're blind, right? And so Jesus gives us sight. He gives the blind sight. But look what he says right after that. There's the bad news. I've come so that those who see will become blind. This is a, a complex issue, and we might have a lot of questions about this. Like, why would Jesus come to blind anybody? And does that seem like he's, it's in his nature to blind someone? Well, let's look at that first part is that the blind will see. That's that's the Jesus we like, right? That's the compassionate Jesus who who recognizes that we could do nothing without him. Well, if you continue on in this passage, the Pharisees ask him, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the key. This is what Jesus just said is the key to understanding what he's talking about when he says that those who see will become blind. That there is a difference between sight and blindness, obviously, but the problem we think is is that we are not blind. And sometimes our pride can get in the way. That we, um, that we think that we know everything that there is to know about God. And I know this happened to me while I was growing up in church. I mean, I grew up listening to sermons, and I heard about God all the time. And I thought, yeah, I heard this. Because, you know, you, you're in church long enough, the pastor's going to repeat himself, right? The preacher's going to repeat himself. The Sunday school teachers are going to teach on the same passage. And it's not that there's more that, that can't be learned. In fact, as you study a passage of Scripture, the more you study it, the more you seem to get out of it. Like, there's always more that you can learn. But I guess just this inadvertent uh, consequence of growing up in church is that you begin to hear things repeated. And when you hear that, whenever you hear things that are being repeated, you begin to think, well, I already know this. I already know that, uh, yeah, I know that. I know I know about Jesus. I know about God. I know about the Holy Spirit. I know about, you know, the Bible. I know about all these things. And you don't hear anything new. And it, and it, and it gets to a point, and this is just a sad reality, it gets to a point where you can't hear anything else because of your pride. 
And I believe that's what Jesus is addressing here is the pride of these men who say, you know, are we blind too? And it's interesting how Jesus does it. He's like, no, 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 no. You're not the blind that I've come to give sight. You're the, the those who claim to have sight that are now blind. You know, it, it's, it's just an ugly picture when we look at that. We don't like that. But the reality is, is that God blinds those who can see. This is what we read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. I, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to the little children. Now, that's all well and good when we're the little children, but what about when we're the wise and the learned? Now, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I do think there is something significant to whenever we go and we study. The more that we seem to educate ourselves, it seems like the more that we end up um, becoming foolish, like we forget and we don't see the spiritual realities. And I grew, I went to a Bible college, and I can tell you that the, the, some of the things that came out of our professor's mouth would just blow you away, because it just sounds so foolish. It contradicts Scripture, and it's because we just we're blinded by our own hubris. We're we're so prideful about what we know about God that people can't tell us anything different. That God Himself can't show us anything different. But God actually blinds those who can see. That, that if there was somebody that should have recognized Jesus, it should have been these Pharisees, these leaders, these teachers of the law, the people that spent their whole lives studying about God and studying His Word. And it's, it's just ironic that they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't see Jesus as coming from God. In fact, they said, like, like I said in verse 16, he's not from God. He's a heretic. He's a sinner. We don't even know him. And, and how dare you lecture us? They just get more and more blinded. And I know that, that we don't really like this idea of God gouging out somebody's eyes so that they couldn't see. But if you want to see a perfect picture of how Jesus does this, a judgment I've come into this world so that those who are blind will see and those who see will become blind. First of all, we have to understand that that blindness isn't, isn't the end. It doesn't have to be the end. In fact, if you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, I, I don't regularly ask you to jump around a lot, but I really want to show you this. In Acts chapter 9, we're going to see something pretty incredible. And the, the Apostle Paul was the perfect example of somebody who thought they could see and Jesus blinded them. Jesus blinded him. And Paul, you probably know this, but Paul's former name was Saul of Tarsus. And in Acts chapter 9, this is a story. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Why was he doing that? Why was he doing that? Because he thought he knew the mission of God. He thought it was heresy to acknowledge Jesus as the Son of God. And, and so he was breathing out murderous threats. I will kill every last one of you. And he went to the high priest and, and asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anybody there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And in verse 3 it says, He neared Damascus on his journey, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now before we just get real deep into this, I just want you to see that the Apostle Paul thought he was doing what was right. And like we don't credit that to him. He was, he was so zealous for the Lord, so zealous for God, that he was willing to stomp out any form of heresy and take everyone captive. But... Unfortunately, the things that he thought he knew about God weren't of God, and so God ends up blinding him. 
In verse 4, it says, He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Now, we, we typically credit this is, this is Saul's conversion moment. And Saul does have a conversion moment in this passage, but this is not it. He says, who are you, Lord? Not Jesus, you are Lord, but who are you? So Jesus is beginning to open his spiritual eyes, but look what happens. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, for they heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. He was physically blind. Jesus blinded him. And so they led him up by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. Now, think about why that was. I think the reason why, you know, I used to believe that, that Paul was having his moment, he's coming to Christ here, but my wife showed me this, and I think she's right. This was the time he didn't eat or drink anything. He was under conviction, heavy conviction here. Because all the things that he thought he knew about God, the things that he thought he saw about God, he's realizing. He doesn't, he, he, he was blind. He was blind to the truth, and here Jesus not only had blinded him, but Jesus had confronted him and said, these people you're hunting, you're hunting me. Do you understand that you're persecuting me? And Paul, he couldn't eat. Saul, he couldn't eat. Excuse me. Saul, he couldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't drink anything because of his conviction. In Damascus, there was a man named Ananias, and the Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord said to him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Now notice that. In a vision, God is revealing himself to him. And he's showing him how he can see. He's blind at this moment. He recognizes his blindness. And he prays. God, remove my blindness from me. Not just his physical, but his spiritual. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. The Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel, and I will show him how... Much He must suffer for my name. I will show him. Go. This man is my chosen instrument. Now, I, I can just imagine Ananias at this point. He can't see Saul as being God's instrument. But see, what happens is that the Ananias in verse 17, Ananias went to the house and he entered it and he placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, See, he can't see it, but he trusts the Lord anyways. He recognizes that he's blind. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
You see, Jesus comes to blind those who can see and to give sight to the blind. And we all love this passage because somebody is able to see. But what about these Pharisees? We all recognize that these Pharisees are blind, right? And that these Pharisees, some of these very same Pharisees, never gain their sight. And for that, we, we might grumble. For that, we might really become frustrated and say, God, why didn't you give them a chance? Or we might even say, well, their free will kept them from Jesus. But the reality is, is that God is sovereign and he can blind who has sight. And while we might not like that, it, the re- reason why is because we can't see the, the purpose of God's sovereignty. And much like Ananias, we have to surrender and just say, I don't see God. I'm blind. And when we do that, what we need to see is that God will give us sight. In verses 40 through 41, we see Jesus running into this group of people who, who are blinded by their pride. We know everything that there is to know. What, are we blind too? You're saying we're blind? Wait just a minute. Who do you think you're talking to? You know, in James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We have to have humility. And really it is God who humbles us when we stand in his sight and we see how great he is and how small we are. Humility is not tearing yourself down. Humility is recognizing your place. And I'm not God. And you know what? It's okay to recognize that I don't know everything there is to know about God. Even in a, in a position like mine that people might come and ask me questions about God. For example, I had a good friend of mine come to me and say, well, what about all these school shootings and where's God and all that? And I had to confess to him, man, I don't understand God's full purpose. But he's coming to me for answers, and so sometimes we just want to act like we have all the answers. Let me tell you something. If we don't learn to be humble, God will humiliate us. That we are not going to be above God. We are not going to be above his Son. And so we have to recognize that Jesus, number one, is Lord, and that he he has come from God. But we also have to recognize our blindness. I don't see. I don't see how this is relevant to my life. I don't see how this is important, that Jesus is the Son of God. I don't see how this should affect me. If Jesus truly is God, I don't see why I should care. Well, if we're saying things like that, we should also see how blind we are. Or maybe we don't see how blind we are, and that's why we're blind. I had a, a date with a, a girl in my teenage years one day, and uh, we're going down the road, and she was telling me about this Christian music she was listening to. And I just was like, how do you listen to this? This is, this is, I just don't enjoy this music. And she, she told me, you know, I didn't used to, but God just, God just lifts me up in this music. I can't, I can't go a day without listening to it. If I do, I just, I'm just not who I want to be. God lifts me up. 
And God gets me through my day. And you know what she was telling me about this? I just realized, I recognized, I'm blind. Because I don't see what she's talking about. What is she talking about? And so I pray, God, I know I'm missing something. Can you show me what it is? And God did. Not that day in his time, but God did. You know, we have to understand that we don't know everything there is to know about God, even if we've been in church for a long, 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 long time. That God truly does hide some truths from the wise and the learned, and he reveals it to little children. You know, Jesus told his disciples, no one can come to me unless you come as this little child. That we have to humble ourselves and not let our pride get in our way. We humble ourselves before Christ and say, Jesus, I'm blind. I don't see how important you are. And so can you give me sight? If we refuse to do that, well, then we're going to be blinded. I think, um, I just have one more question. And I, and I think our, our general question is, how do I make sure that I'm not falling into irony here? That I don't spend my whole life in church and not know God. And I think it's, it's that first and foremost we have to recognize Jesus as Lord. And we have to understand that that's not something we do by ourselves. It, that it's almost like when we can see we, we didn't realize we were blind. And I mean that's the ironic part. We didn't have any idea that we were blind. But God reveals it to us. And in this passage, we, we talked about talking this a little bit last week and the week before that, is that this man had a very simple testimony. He said, I once was blind, but now I see. And that's something that, that just never can be taken away from, from us. It's a very simple testimony. I once was blind, but now I can see. If God has revealed that Jesus is Lord, and we have surrendered to him as Lord, then that is, that is sight, that is an incredible gift that we've been given. And with that gift, we can't, we can't give that gift to anyone else. That's something that only God can do. But we can recognize him for the gift, and we can share our testimonies. And, and we, can, we can confess our blessings that we once were blind and now we see. And if we refuse to acknowledge Christ as Lord, we're blind. And so my only advice in this situation is to make sure we don't fall into irony is that we truly have to cry out to the Lord and ask God to reveal blindness to us because there are things that we don't know about God. In fact, the more that we learn about God, the more we recognize and realize, the less we know about God. That's what wisdom is. So let me just end this passage in a, in a word of prayer. I just want to pray over you. And so let's bow our heads and let's go to the Lord. Father, we come to you now, and I realize that there might be someone listening right now who just is so pent up with anger and frustration, and there's just so much chaos and strife and, and so many things demanding our time and distractions, and, and we just wonder, is there a better way? How do I let go of all of this emotion We don't see it, Lord. In those moments, we're blinded by our 
our frustration. We're blinded by all the things that we have to get done. And we don't see a way out of our consequences. We don't see our, our way out of our circumstances, Lord. And so just, we ask God that you would just reveal that you're the way out. That Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. He's the way. He's the life. And I pray, God, that wherever we are, even if we said a prayer when we were 10 years old, but if we're not living by your power, that you would just reveal our blindness and that you would give us sight. Help us to see. There might be things that we think that we know about you and things that we, we absolutely have to get done for you, but might, maybe you just revealed to us that if there's anything ungodly, God, that you just blind us so that we, we couldn't go anywhere without being led by the arm. Reveal our blindness to you, God, or to us, God, that we would cry out to you and that you would, you would give us sight. Is there something you want to teach us about yourself that we need to see? Father, we lift our hearts up to you and just ask that you would reveal it to us. And God, when we finally see you, I pray that our testimony might be simple but yet powerful. I once was blind, but now I see. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.